What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Unscripted, the show that brings you professionals from all walks of life, touching on their backstory, their mindset, and how they navigate through adversity and opposition, while providing you practical tips that might help you on your path. I'm your host, two-time Olympian, Olympic bronze medalist, author, and motivational speaker, Akeem Haynes. Now, let's get into the episode. This week on the show, I'm joined by the CEO and co-founder of Lipstick Royalty Agency, Sean Nelson. I had a great conversation with Sean in this episode. We touched on so many different topics, such as her cultural dynamics growing up, plus her earliest lessons, how she dealt with anxiety attacks from an early age, why she knew she was different, and how she embraced it, the importance of mentorship, the start of lipstick royalty and the challenges they faced early with their company, why lipstick royalty is different from any other PR agency, plus the tremendous growth of the company and what they are trying to create culturally. We also talk about how the loss of her brother inspired her to make sure that his spirit is never forgotten. And of course, tips on how to get through hard times and why it's important to find the strength to continue moving forward. Sean is someone who has done the work internally and externally to be the best version of herself that she can be, but also make sure she is not neglecting the day-to-day task that she has to do in order to grow the business and to make sure that they are staying true to their morals, values, and what they see, the vision of lipstick royalty. This is a great episode. Sean is raw. She's authentic. She's transparent, and she is definitely herself. This is an episode that you're truly going to want to enjoy, and I know it's going to bring a lot of value and encouragement to those who may be finding themselves in a similar season. So without further ado, enjoy this week's episode with Sean Nelson. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things today, Sean. And as I've been doing some research, trying to figure out a little about you, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. But the first question that I have, I start to show off the same way. I'm big on gratitude. You know, I believe if 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 we can find things to be grateful for and choose to be grateful for, man, it's hard to start the day in a negative state. So give me three things you're grateful for today, Sean. Oh, my God. I'm grateful for life. A lot of people didn't wake up this morning. Um, I'm grateful for experiences because without them, you know, who knows where I would be. Um, and I'm thankful for support because we need people to survive like we do. That's good. That's good. I think I'm big uh, on gratitude. Also, God is so awesome. You know, I'll be telling people all the time. I'm like, man, when you leave the home, all right, there's nothing that you can control but the body that you're in. And so when you make it back home, that right there is an underrated blessing by itself. Um, But Sean, my other question is, as, as, as I was doing some research, right, I found something where you said your upbringing was rooted in culture and faith. What did you mean by that? What was the dynamics like growing up for you? So um, I think I had uh, the blessed opportunity to grow up in a melting pot. First of all, being from Miami um, and then as far as my family. So my family is made up of a lot of different cultures. Um, On my mom's side, she's Cuban, Puerto Rican. And then my father is Costa Rican, Trinidadian. So you can imagine like that's a big, that's a huge melting pot situation. Um, Growing up, I would say we were more... Um, we did, we upheld a lot of the Cuban traditions. So as far as like what we ate, um, how we celebrated, um, but 
aside from that, we are def- definitely like believers of God. We're rooted in our faith. So growing up, um, yeah, like I was in Sunday school. I was a um, liturgical dancer. I was an usher. I was heavily involved in the church. Um, and my relationship with God is kind of like what has got me through a lot. Well, it's what's gotten me through everything. Um, so that's what I meant. Now, Sean, growing up in our young years, right, we we may see a lot of things, we may hear a lot of things, and we may not be able to understand or comprehend it at that moment. But what were some lessons that you learned growing up, maybe directly or indirectly? You know, sometimes the community can, can show you something that your mom or dad couldn't. Maybe it's the, the pastor in the church or, you know, someone you sit beside all the time and they just have gems that kind of stuck with you. What were some of those things uh, that stuck with you that kind of spoke to you? You know, I feel like I kind of grew up in a more sheltered environment. So I I learned a lot outside of the home and outside of the church and outside of my family. Um, going away to college to me was like a, an eye opener because I went to a HBCU. I went to Florida Agricultural Mechanical University. For me, I'm used to being around Latinos, Korean people, Jamaican people like I'm used to being around so many different people and then moving to a place like Tallahassee for school shell shocked me. So I was able to like, I had to like learn how to adapt to a new society where it's like, we're labeled like black or white. Like you're not like mixed or nothing. Like in Tallahassee, it's very, you know, weird. It's like a time capsule. So I learned a lot of gems um, outside. Um, I think the greatest thing I appreciate is the validation of mental health. I learned that outside of the home, outside of the church. I learned that going through life experiences um, and people like my professors, like Dr. Grable at FAMU, they showed me so much. Like she's one of the reasons why I became a publicist because she showed me that we need people like us telling our stories, representing people, representing our people, you know, representing minorities, representing the underrepresented. So Man, I learned a lot in the home and in the church and with my family, but I learned a lot also outside. You talked about uh, the mental aspect of it in different dynamics. Uh, I'm originally born in Jamaica, right? So when okay. I came, so when I came to Canada, it, it it was a shock in many different ways. One, the cold, obviously, uh, but okay. also the cultural aspect of it. Um, trying to learn. English, even though the Jamaican language is broken English, right? So trying to learn all of that stuff, trying to yeah. understand why these people think like this and why yeah. they're complaining about this. Like one of the things for me coming up is I would hear people talk about complaining about, oh man, you know, the water isn't hot enough and this and that. I'm like, yo, you understand that where I come from, you got to walk to an outhouse to use the bathroom, right? So I don't want to hear none of this stuff that you're complaining about, but it was also lonely at times, Sean, because I felt like, especially in school, I would be speaking English, but everybody yeah. else made it seem like I wasn't speaking English. And I didn't really have anybody to go to because it was just me from it. I'm wondering, Sean, were there moments as you were coming up, growing up, becoming the woman um, that you are now, moments where you said, wait a minute, I don't feel like anybody really understands me. They're asking all these things, but what's going on here? Did you have any? identity issues oh my god trying to figure out definitely um it's crazy that you say that because i found um a picture of me from the early 2000s i was a part of this program and i was interviewed and i was referring to myself like as strictly a latina woman right Mm -hmm. because 
growing up, you're trying to fit in, you're trying to understand who you are. And like, here I have my primary family, you know, my primary people that I'm with, my primary family, like my mom and them, and they speak Spanish. Like my grandparents spoke Spanish, but when I was in school, it was hard for me to understand where I fit in because I was too white for one group, too black for another group and not Hispanic or Latino enough for the other. So it's kind of strange because I didn't really understand who I was as an Afro Latina person until I went to an HBCU where I learned more about our struggles, our, you know, our history, um, our journey. I mean, my grandparents, they came here on the freedom flights and that was a big movement, you know, to leave, to flee Cuba, especially my grandfather, who was a very high yellow mulatto man who was in the military. He made a decision to, you know, have his family come here. They came here only speaking Spanish. So like my grandparents passed not knowing English. So for me, I had a lot of issues. I didn't love my hair. Like right now I'm wearing a fabulous wig, but normally I have my beautiful tresses, like my locks, my, my hair is really curly and I've grown to love my hair. When I was younger, I came home like, Hey mom, I want to perm my hair. Like, I don't want this. Like, I don't want to look like this. I don't want to always have to wear braids. And I didn't understand who I, like, I didn't understand who I was or where I fit in. I felt like people always brought up, oh, well, you sound different. And I experienced that even going away to college. Like, people are like, where are you from? You have an accent. And it's like, what? Like, I think I sound normal. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's why I said I'm grateful for experiences because they've helped mold me and allowed me to understand who I am. Had I not gone, gone through these things, had I not been bullied at times, had I not been ostracized, I wouldn't be comfortable and I wouldn't be confident today. You, you, you spoke about like now you're, you're, you're very short in tune with who you are as a person. But back then, was there a moment, Sean, because a lot of people are going through different stages and trying to understand more about themselves. That's the evolution of life. We're always trying to learn ourselves a little bit better. But was there like a moment that you said, you know what? I'm different. And that's okay. Was there a moment like that for you? I think I struggled with that growing up because of like just different things that I was going through. I felt like I was chosen in a sense, but I didn't understand what that meant. And a lot of the things that I went through, the lot of, a lot of the things that I go through now validate me being chosen. So, you know, growing up, I, I struggled with my mental health. I really did. Like, you know, I had, um, I have anxiety. I have a lot of issues with anxiety yeah. that I deal with, with medical marijuana. And yeah. I live a very Zen style life. I see, um, I see the trees. I see the trees. I see the plants in the back. <laughs> listen, I'm so like, I'm just about good energy. Absolutely. And I've become that person. Yeah. Um, but I always felt different. I definitely felt different. I felt like nobody gets me. I felt alone, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> the anxiety aspect of it, Sean, what, what are some things that you wish you would have known to help you back then that you know now, right? Because it, it, information changes situations and you never know who's going to come across a message until you know, they come across and they're like, man, that, that was helpful. But when you think back, back then to how you were battling with it, then what are yeah. some things that you would tell your younger self to help that ease a little bit more? So, uh, I mean, I had anxiety to the point where like the ambulance had to come and like, wow. it was embarrassing. Like I'd be at like around my friends and coming from like, uh, I don't know, like my camps and organizations and stuff. So I think you know, now that I've evolved and understand faith a little bit differently, 
um, I wish back then I kind of, I would understand that like faith is an action and that when you allow your mind to create thoughts that don't exist, Mm -hmm. you're doing yourself a disservice. So like you're getting panic attacks are because your mind is moving faster because you're now you're trying to create like your, your brain is creating all these different scenarios and you're trying to kind of center yourself and you're like, damn, like what's really going on. So if I had to tell myself something, it would be to like focus on the now and like focus on the facts. So Mm -hmm. one of my panic attacks when I was younger, I was, we were coming home from our summer program, Breakthrough Miami and the weather was bad. And like bad. So we're on the bus and like all I kept hearing, like the kids were joking around, like, oh, we're gonna die. Like it's a hurricane. Like they're doing what kids do. And you know, I allowed that to kind of take over my mind to the point where I had a full-blown anxiety attack and the ambulance had to come. I'm like, damn, here I go again, Sean. Like you're so embarrassing. And I was hard on myself, you know? Yeah. But I also think that um when you're very spiritual. Sometimes that is like that ties into anxiety, like people that are like very spiritual. Sometimes I feel like I get messages and I I have a different understanding than other people. And that plays into my anxiety, too. So it's kind of hard. But I think it's just about understanding, like, you know, you need to center yourself and focus on what is and whatever is going to happen. Once you understand that things are out of your control, you have a better like way of dealing with life and situations. Yeah, you know, it, it reminds me of the scripture where it says, do not worry about tomorrow for today has enough words of its own. Yeah. And it's like in its simplicity, it's profound because it's like, oh, you can't you can't even think about Friday when it's Monday. Like, that's how you create stress. And I've always said, you know, if you're doing all that you can do in this moment, what more can you do? Probably nothing if you're doing all that you can. So that's 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 great advice right there, Sean. Um <laughs> we got to talk about the HBCU, right? We got to talk about FAMU because that's, that's, that's one of the uh, biggest transitions that I find as a young adolescent, one of the hardest decisions. Um, the first transition, you know, you, you, you become 18, you're leading away from school, maybe leading away from family. And now you're forced to make decisions of your own, what the future could look like. What, what was that transition like for you? And why did you pick there? I mean, the transition was hard. I cried every night the first summer. Yeah. Um, what were you missing? Hard. What were you missing? Why do you think that was? I mean, things are just so different. It's like I went from living in a in a place where like there's we're a melting pot of people yeah. to now this confined place where it's like black or white. And it was very, very apparent. You know, it's very apparent. You cross some tracks, you feel different. Like I visited friends that were going to FSU and the experience was completely different from the their dorms to their apartments to the food they had access to to the transportation that they had access to like it's very different and I think for me I left right away because I was ready to start my life I was ready to um create my own narrative and I was just I I, I left I mean I left right after graduation I was I was in school probably June July I started um, and I chose family because I wanted something different. Um, I don't know. I could have, you know, applied to UM or FSU, yeah. but the experiencing family in person as a teenager, um, was very impactful. I thought it was so dope that it's like a sea of black people that are just so like, it's like black excellence. Like you step on campus and you feel 
like you're in a scene from It's a Different World. And I grew up mm. watching It's a Different World. Yeah, I've watched yeah. it over and over again. I burnt the DVDs and brought them to college and watched them. So it was, it was like a dream, I think, but I wasn't mentally prepared for mm. what it came with. What were some of those things that you were facing that challenged you at that time, right? Because again, is yeah. we are always trying to figure yeah. things out. And I, there, there are moments, right, that when we look at how the world works, right, it, I think one of the toughest scriptures to follow for me is, is be in the world, but not of the world, right? And you kind of got to do both while not trying to lose yourself along the way. So what were some of the things that you were wrestling with, Sean? And also the, the, the it's a loaded question, the other part to it was, what were you seeing for yourself at that time? You talked about the narrative, right? But what did that look like? You know, um, so first of all, experiencing freedom at that level is different. I think um, our age group, not sure how old you are, but I feel like you're under 37. 30. Mm -hmm. 30. Okay, I'll be 30 October 1st. I think our age group, it was, our parents were adamant about following that structure. You know, you go to, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, you get a job, you work there, you get a good, you know, package. Like that's the way that a lot of us grew up, no matter what our upbringing was, no matter if we were poor, rich, whatever, because we finally had a space. We finally were able to go to college. We finally were able to get our own education. So I think that experiencing that level of freedom so quickly is a lot. And I think as a female, you know, we're expected to excel and be strong, but sometimes you're just not ready. And I think for me, why, why I say I wasn't mentally ready is I saw so much so quickly, um, you know, even trying to understand time management. In high school, I was a part of a lot of programs. I was in dance. I, I worked. So I thought I was managing my time well. But when I got to college, nobody told me don't pick an 8 a.m. class because the parties are going to end late and you have total freedom. Um, And I think also trying to understand who I am and who I was Um, growing up in such a religious upbringing. It was hard for me to come out. So I was trying to like live a double life. I was trying to understand, like, does God still love me? I struggled a lot with you know, knowing myself and owning who I was. So even going to college, it's like, damn, like, like, who am I? Mm -hmm. And college allowed me to understand who I was. I was able to meet different people. Um, I met my soulmate my sophomore year. I was 19. We've been together ever since. She's my fiance now. So thank you. Um, It was definitely a loaded question, but I would, I wouldn't take anything back. Going away to college was the best experience of my life. I just think as, um, as parents, you don't know what to prepare your child for. So there's no like rule book. That's like, Hey, when you get to college, remember to manage and balance your checkbook. Remember that you shouldn't swipe your card so much at the cap, like just little things, (laughs) time management, money management. A lot of times I think people as color, people of color were not like equipped the same. So things like an emphasis on credit really doesn't matter until we're late in our twenties when like we've already racked up all the student loans. So, you know, it was a hard transition. I tell you, I cried. I literally cried. Yeah. I had a great time that summer, but I cried. It was so different. I was far from my family. Like my brothers, they were, they're 10, they were 10 years younger than me. So it's like, it was just so much. I felt like it was a new life. All my friends were down here. 
you know, some of them didn't go away to college. So I felt like ostracized kind of too. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that thing like, oh, you went away type you of feeling. I think you're better than us type of deal. Like I get yeah. that. And, and it's like the younger siblings, it's like, man, like in that time, while you can't change their age, you also kind of wish like, man, I wish they could give me advice in this area. Right. But you didn't necessarily have those things. But the the importance of mentorship and support, you were just telling me about the professor. Uh, were you getting that type of support when you were in school, Sean? Because at some point during this time, like like the vision of lipstick royalty had to have come into play. Right. When when was that? And 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 the the. How were you staying encouraged when you were crying, but had to find the strength to go up and push through the next day how were you staying encouraged during all this I think I was just like I was going like all I know is kind of like survival that's been who I am I'm a very alpha woman um so lipstick royalty didn't come about until about 2013 um I had actually made a hard decision I walked away from college um to work and I worked for a little bit I had um so I have fibrocystic breast disease. And what that means is that, especially during a woman's cycle, your breasts produce a lot of fibroid tumors. Mm. And I had my first one at 17. I had surgery because we needed to make sure that it was benign and not cancerous. Yes. And they told me, oh, there's a chance it could come back. And there's a chance that it couldn't. It came back. This is the first time I'm talking about this. It's crazy. So then I had another one at 19. I left college. Um, I came down here. I was like working, doing whatever I could to work. And one day I told Regina, like, God told me that I need to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to go back to school. So we were long distance and she was like, let's do it. Like, let's move back up there. Um, we moved into our first place. It was super, like, gross. Like, looking back, you know, thank you, God. But it was so small <laughs> and, like, yeah. little cottage vibes, very struggle. But God told me, like, you need to go back. And that is when things change because... I had to figure out my student loans. That's the first time like I was doing all that stuff by myself. That's where like I was really independent. And I met a lot of great teachers. Um, I would say I was always interested in like the owners of businesses, the deans, the professors. Like I wasn't really hanging out with people that much when I came back. I was more like goal like oriented. I was very focused. I wasn't on campus as much. I was just like, okay. Like, I need to move this way. I need to move that way. Um, the vision of Lipstick Royalty was born organically. Um, when we came back, Regina had a gig and she was like, you should meet my girlfriend. She could help you get bottle girls. Mm. And then from there, we started working in the club, like as bartenders. Like we were getting girls, like it was like a staffing agency. And then it went from there to like promo girls. And then I'm sitting in class and I'm learning, girl, this is branding and marketing. Like, what's up? And then after that, it just, it kept evolving. Like I would listen to Dr. Grable just talk and all of my professors were talking about black women, black men who have been in the industry. It showed me like, this could be you. Um, This really could be you. And it was inspiring. So our business just started to evolve and grow. We started getting clients. Um, I had fallen in love with graphic design on accident because it was a like it was one of my prerequisites. And I started to kick ass. Like people needed me to do ads and flyers. And like the business just started to be like, it just started to grow organically. Regina um, takes photos and videos and her business, like everything just happened so organically. So by the time graduation came around, we got an agency 
you know? And we moved down here. We were still working. And then 2020, right before COVID in February, we got our first office and then we kept evolving. Now we're in a bigger space. Like it was just how my life has been. Wow, Sean, you said a lot there. And we're going to touch on that just shortly here. But you said something that I think is really important to touch on, especially as women, right? You talked about the, 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 the cancerous thing, right? How did you find out about that? What was, what was, like, was something, like, did you get imaging done and saw something? Because, you know, so we, we never think certain things are going to happen to us, right? Mm-hmm. And then we're faced with it and we don't know how to deal with it. But from an emotional standpoint, from, from someone who's already intuitive with their feelings yeah. and how they feel, what was going through your head at that time? Like, 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 were you worried? Like, were you nervous? Like, how did that situation go? Because you, you, it's fine now from what it sounds like, but I'm sure at that time it, it, it wasn't. Um, I think I struggled a lot because I started to blame myself during that time. Um, my cycle. So I got my cycle. I was young. I was 10 years old. A lot of girls don't get their cycles. They don't start until they're 12, 13, 14. So 10 years old, I'm in fifth grade. They don't even have trash cans in the bathroom. So at that, I, my pain in my mind psychologically started from 10 where I'm like, damn, why am I the only one going through this? Mm. And I don't have a sister to talk to about it. I just have my mom and my stepfather. So my cycle was bad. I had very bad cramps. At the time, birth control was being pushed like it was candy. So, you know, my mom ended up, um, you know, taking me to the gynecologist, my first appointment, and I got put on birth control. I got put on different types of birth control. This is also the first time that I'm talking about this stuff so openly, because now when you put everything together, it's like, it's crazy. I and I appreciate you sharing. No, so, no problem. Very important. I hope somebody, you know, gained something from this, but they don't talk to you about the things that can happen. So I've, I've tried the pill. I had um, something in my arm that got attached to my muscle that I had to get removed at 19. Birth control really is terrible for your body. So why I say I blamed myself is because at 17, I was still on birth control. And they there were studies. I started reading a lot. Like I became obsessed. Like, is something wrong with me? Am I going to die? Like, what's up? Like, what is this? There are studies that show that high levels of proestrogen contribute to having fibrocystic breasts. And it's still nobody like none of us were alarmed still. I'm still like, damn, like looking back. Thank you, God, for like the journey, because I was really going through it. And I'm pretty sure my mom and my grandma and everybody they're like, oh, this is normal. But in my mind, I'm like, no, guys, what if this is from the birth control? So I had birth control in my arm till I was 19. So my second surgery was when I was 19, wow. 17 and 19. Those are some serious like ages, if you Absolutely. really think about it. I was a senior in high school. I didn't get to, I had to sit out during certain towards the end of the year because I had surgery. So it's like the other day, my Facebook memories popped up and I started to see some of my feelings, which is crazy why you asked that. That's crazy that you asked that because I seemed very hurt. I seemed um, like I was sad and I was worried, but I kept saying, but I'm trusting God and God's got me. So obviously I knew something. Um, And now as an adult, now that I understand, okay, Certain things that we consume can contribute to that. Certain times of the month, it's more flared up. Now I kind of know how to deal with it. And I think also you start to think, oh, someone's going to love me less because something is wrong. Hmm. And Great. I have a partner who loves me as as I am. So that's another thing. It's like, it's all like really mental. Um, 
And had I not been a person of faith, I probably like wouldn't have been able to push through a lot of these dark times. It's hard trying to uh, trying to figure out just trying to get through things on your own strength, man, because, you know, it, everything that we go through is 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 always a question that we always have to ask. And I think a lot of times uh, I'm a person of faith. I'm Christian as well, too. And I and 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 one of the things with me is growing up, you used to hear people say, you know, don't don't question God, don't do this and that. But I'm thinking to myself, that's not true, because if we are his children, wouldn't he want us to ask certain questions? Right. And even though we may not have all the answers, it's still trusting and moving in faith that at some point we will get the answers. We just don't right. know it right now. Right. And so I think, again, I wanted to ask that because I think it's very important because the information we don't know uh, is the information that continues to get buried. And we others are going to go through the same thing and may not be able to know deal with it. So as you touching on it, it really, really is going to be of an impact to someone. Um, now, Sean, you came, you went into uh, a field where it is predominantly males, right? There are a lot of great women who are in the agency business doing really great things, but you're going into a profession where it's male dominated. What was that like? Were you getting any pushback from other people in other areas, right? Because I've noticed at times, Sean, people say they want to support and they want to be a part of it. Yeah. But then on the other side, they're like, no, nah, we're not going to we're not going to do that. What, what were some of the challenges that you faced when you started to pursue this thing and said, you know what, I'm going to go all in here? What was that experience like when you think about from where you started to where you are now? I mean, I think I still have problems with men. Um, and that's just because when you're an alpha woman, and you're confident and you know your shit's. I'm sorry. I don't know if I can use that language, Free. but <laughs> honestly, when you, when you are that type of person, it makes anyone intimidated and especially a man. So from the beginning, you know, when we were like, when we weren't really doing a lot and we weren't really buzzing. It was really easy to work with these men, but as we scaled, I noticed a lot of the relationships and the dynamics change um, so much so that, I experienced, I was working for this company. I'd given them a lot of loyalty. And once I got to a specific level, I was fired immediately. And I had, you know, another person who worked there who was a black man. We had him, we did a little test to see if he did something, you know, how would he be penalized? That was his own. He, he came up with that. Long story short, he wasn't penalized. And that's when I realized that was my first Hmm. realization like girl if this is what you're gonna do you better buckle up now pr business music management marketing is dominated by white men not even white women not even black women not even black men but white men so from the beginning of time i've always known that the odds were against me so when i step into these opportunities i'm already overcompensating I'm already making sure that I look good. I smell good. I, I exude self-care yes. um, and confidence. Um, I also make sure that I have researched. Like I'm every time I step into a meeting, especially if it's heavily male dominated or even if there's just one, I feel like I have to be 10 times more prepared. Um, and I've also experienced not getting certain situations or proposals or projects because we're a women owned 
and led PR agency and we're black and we're minority and we're LGBTQ and we're this and we're that. And it's really that we're women. So it's so interesting, um, but I'm so grateful for the men that, you know, they have the courage to work with us. Um, the men that trust us, that is the hardest thing because you have men who don't want to work with us just because they feel intimidated or whatever their reasons are. And then you have men that do want to work with us, but they have like these creeper intentions. So it's like, it's a, it's, it's really a lot. Um, but when you know who you are, that's all that matters. Never compromise your values and always stay focused on the mission. That's what I tell myself. So, you know, there are some opportunities that I walk away from if it involves working with a group of men that I'm just not comfortable with yeah. or that we're not comfortable with. Yeah. You know, Sean, you, you know, it, obviously things are moving in the right direction. I'm sure you have massive plans from where it's going to be in the next 10 years. But I'm always interested, Sean. I think a lot of times people talk about what it looks like at the top of the mountain. Right. But they don't always tell you what that climb is like. I don't tell you what that climb is going and you're halfway there and then there's a rock in your shoe and you're thinking to yourself, Yo, why is my foot bleeding right now? When it didn't look like how it looked now, right? And you're having expenses to be paid, you're investing in here and you're not seeing the turnaround as quickly as you thought it would inside of your head and the stress and the strains are coming, Sean. At that time, what did a day-to-day -day process look like for you to continue believing in a vision that you didn't know exactly what it was going to look like yet? I mean, I have those moments a lot um, because when you are an entrepreneur, you're never like, I feel like I'm never complacent. And I feel like I also <laughs> it know be, right? <laughs> it can't be. You always have to strive for yeah. more. Um, and the ugly days, you know, I'm. I'm more transparent than some people. So on my platforms, people know what's going on. Maybe not to the full extent, but they know. And I think the perfect example of a resilient time is, you know, July 1st, 2021, when we moved into this new place. We moved into our new office July 1st, 2021. June 30th at 11 o'clock, my brother was murdered. And guess what? The landlord didn't care. He still needed the three times the rent for July 1st. He still needed us to move across the hallway and get all our stuff out and move in. Even though we had personal baggage that was unimaginable to the average person. So what it looked like was strength. It looked like tears. It looked like praying on your knees and asking God for strength. That's what it looks like when, when, when you're low. And if you're truly focused on the bigger picture, then even on the lowest days, if you can just get a glimpse, if you just have that mustard size faith, then it'll get you through. Like it really will. There's so many days where it's like, damn, yo, like we have to pay this. We have to pay that. Like we have only a few dollars left over. There's been many times like that, but this is what we chose. Right. And this is what we feel like we're walking in our purpose. So when you're walking in your purpose, you have to understand that that journey is not going to be what we think it is it's not it's not mm -hmm. at all yeah so Sean, that's what I'm, it looks like i appreciate you sharing that i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, say a scripture that comes to mind but i'll save that towards the end because i want to get into this um your brother tyshawn right i was reading about that um what you've been able to do and trying to do through him and in, in in memory what do you remember most about your little brother? 
He was so obsessed with me. <laughs> and it's crazy because I have two brothers. So Tyshawn was born first from my dad and my bonus mom. And Taylor was born from my stepfather and my mom. And they were born months apart. Tyshawn was born October 16th. I was born October 1st. <laughs> Taylor was Valentine's Day. So it's crazy, the dynamics. And they're total opposites. So Taylor was obsessed with me. He was more obsessed with his video games. I, I, like, he knows I got him and I, and, like, and I love him and he loves me this thing. Tyshawn, why I say he's obsessed with me is because he made me feel like I was like a superhero. Like he literally made me feel like the proudest person ever. Even though he was big, cocky, like the man. I loved that. Like, I don't know. It's so weird. I don't really know how to even conceptualize it. And I also loved just how like selfless. I know I'm selfless, but I never thought that I would see that in my brothers too. And he he was known to literally take his shirt off of his back or his Jordans off of his feet and give it to somebody. Yeah. So that to me was so Christ-like. Like you don't really come across people like that, black men like that. I don't know if you uh, ever heard of the name Stedman Bailey before. Um, yes. Yeah. Shout out to Stedman. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Steady B's good peoples um, and his experience with gun violence and how he's a survivor as well, too. When you heard about what happened, um, Sean, what. I've lost a lot of people in my life in many different ways, and I tell people all the time when when you know when they haven't lost someone or maybe they have lost someone looking for advice I'm, I always tell them like man, the pain never goes away. it just gets a little bit easier to deal with, but it never goes away yeah um, what was that moment like when you heard that news, and how mm-hmm. are you trying to make his name remembered because i from what I read. Uh, is a clothing company, a clothing brand that that he had in mind that you're honoring and following through to try to make sure isn't is, he's he's remembered. Walk me through a little bit about that. Um. So when I found out, I was about to renew my medical marijuana card. It's so funny. Um, the day was very odd because they called me like, "Oh, you need to come in. You need to come in. Your prescription's about to end tomorrow." come pick up the remainder that you have or you're going to lose it. So I'm like, okay, that's so strange. Like, whatever. Like, we wrapped up at the office. We went straight to the dispensary. And then right as I was about to click the button, I bonus mom called me. She's like, Sean, I don't know what to tell you, baby, but they called me. They saying your brother's out there. And I'm like, what? So I hung up with her. I called my dad. I'm like, call Trini now. They say something happened to Tyshawn. And then I call his baby mom. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm screaming at her. She's like, I don't know. I'm trying to find him. Then I called the police. And what stands out the most is that it sounded like havoc. Mm. Mind you, like my mom backstory, she worked in 911 dispatch. So I know. Called call non-dispatch, you know, called the non-911 number, asked for this. No, I didn't say that. I called 911 here. I said, I need you to connect me to Dover immediately. So I remember hearing havoc. And that's when, like, my stomach, like, just dropped. Because I've never heard that before. I've experienced my mom and her dispatch moments. And I've never heard them sound, like, freaked out. And I just remember I was screaming out his date of birth. And they're like, we're sorry, man. Like, I was cussing him out, like stop playing with me. Like what's up with my brother. And, um, 
she, Trini called me back and she was like, I'm sorry, baby, your brother's gone. And like, for me, I lost it. I lost it. I lost it for hours. Um, but for three years, you know, God had been showing me a dream where I was running and there was bullets flying, but I thought it was me. So I wake up, I'll be like, babe, like, I don't know what's wrong. I love you, but like, I keep having these dreams. Three years. Within those three years, God was also speaking to my bonus mom and my dad in their dreams. So looking back, God was preparing us this whole time. So while other people are really broken up and not to say that I'm not and not to say that we're not, because we are, we have to stand on God's promises because he laid it out. He laid everything out. Um, the year that Tyshawn transitioned, that whole year, he started sending me stuff. by just like, oh, sissy, check out my music. Oh, sissy, um, right before he transitioned, here's my social, find my taxes. Here's my school stuff, sissy. You think I could, like, everything. When I say everything, oh, sissy, what do you think of these designs? Every design he ever created, he sent. Mm. So it's hard for me to walk around and be a broken person when God has showed us the promises this whole time. God has laid everything out. His son was born August 17th. Tyshawn's birthday was October 16th. Wow. Like, I don't know if people are big on numbers, but we're big on numbers in our, you know, in our family. Like we're big on numbers, sevens, eights, twos, fours. They all are very representative of what's going on in our lives. You know, even him laying in his casket, he had a smile on his face. Mm. How can you deny God in all of this? So because of that, um, we've worked very hard to make sure that we have created a legacy brand. Um, it's not just clothing. It's an inclusive lifestyle and motivational brand. We provide clothing right now. We're going to have so many different sectors. Um, we're going to launch his foundation, a nonprofit foundation under his name, he had so much love for people from the U.S. to international that it's impossible not to continue what he started. And, you know, we don't we trust what God's word. You know, he he played football. He played lacrosse. He was the best in both. He had a baby. He went to college. He did a lot. He accomplished a lot. And I wrote a speech that I delivered at his funeral and it was entitled his championship game. And we truly believe that he when he you know, transition. It was his championship game. Like what else was there left to do? Go to the NFL. That would have been great for him. But I mean, was he happy? Like, is that what he wanted? Who knows? Maybe God was talking to him this whole time. Um, we don't know. So we work very hard uh, every day. The brand is called Hard Body. Um, the Instagram is Hard Body with two Y's, seven. Mm -hmm. um, right now he has a beautiful baby boy who's about to turn one. Wow. So this brand is for his legacy. Last couple of questions, Sean. What, what, what does time mean to you at this stage in your life? Mm, time means everything. Um, I feel like that's where I struggle with my like grief is time. Like there's so many, like we were supposed to link so many times. Like I was supposed to move him in, but COVID, you know, there was so many restrictions, like, even with a lot of the people that we lose, sometimes we fall back into those moments that enemy knows how to play with your mind and make you feel like should have been there. You should have chose this. Yeah. But um, time means everything. I think it's important to honor time, even if that means 
um, setting boundaries for yourself and making time for you, you know? So I'm a person that's always available for others. Since this transition, I've become completely the opposite. Now it's about my time and my mental health. Because if I'm not okay, I can't be a good big sister to Taylor. I can't be a good publicist, can't be a good manager, can't be a good daughter, can't be a good fiance. So time means everything. That's such a powerful reminder. You know, when you're always a giver, you forget to pour back into your well. And then your well becomes empty and you got nothing to give. And, you know, then anger starts to come out and you start to get short in conversations and you can't be all that you can be. So that's a great, great great reminder for everybody listening as you move forward Sean and 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 it seems like things are going to continue to progress right but what makes lipstick royalty different than any other agency in your eyes so I think what makes us different is that we are a powerhouse of women that we stand on certain principles being authentic working hard being innovative I think that is um, a force to be reckoned with, especially as women of color. Um, And I also think within our own experiences that we've been through, it has helped redefine um, who we are and what we stand for. If we didn't have a platform, you know, Tyshawn was popular, you know, not to say, not to take anything from him or his parents, but I'm grateful for the fact that we have a platform like this so that we can pour back into his mission. Absolutely. Same thing with Regina and her experiences. We're able to nurture them because we have platforms because of lipstick royalty. So yeah, lipstick royalty is different. You know, we remain authentic. We work very hard. We're fully in-house. So when our clients come here, they don't have to seek an, an advertising agency or a marketing agency or a production studio because we've built that. We've built our own, you know, everything. Um, we employ other people of minorities, women. We do work with men, not to say, you know, because we always get those questions like, do you guys hire men? And it's like, (laughs) yeah, we do. But we like to remain authentic because women of color are not given the same opportunities as even men of color. And we think that is extremely important. So I think that's what makes us a force to be reckoned with. That's that's amazing, Sean. That's uh, uh, in a world that tries to make you like everybody else, staying authentically yourself to your morals, values, uh, it's not always an easy thing to do. So I I respect that and I appreciate that about you and what all that lipstick royalty has been able to do. Um, the 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 scripture that comes to mind that I was going to share, Sean, because it, 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 no matter what we do, the vision that we have for ourselves, at some point we're going to wrestle with something. Yeah. Wrestling with our heads, wrestling with thoughts, wrestling with people, wrestling with decisions, right? And what has always been of encouragement to me Um, whenever I find myself wrestling with life in its entirety is Galatians 6 verse 9 where it says do not be weary for doing good for at the proper time you'll leap a harvest if you do not give up Mm. and it's easy to give up and in your situation (laughs) in your situation you can always think of a reason why to give up and nobody Mm. would say oh man you know you shouldn't because warranted the, the facts are there You could have, but the fact that you kept going and your team kept going goes to show about the promises that God has down the road. So I just want to share that with you because it's important, man. It's, it's, it's important to, to say certain things, even if you may not need it in this given moment, but thank you. Thank you. That's received as, 
as we close out the show, Sean, I do things a little bit different season three. Rather than me closing it out, I let the guests close it out with the message that they may be on their heart. So as you share the message that's on your heart, please let us know the best way to keep in touch, to follow, to support. And I'll make sure that we get that ad as well, too. But today, Sean, what, what is on your heart today? What's the message on your heart today? My message for today is that purpose prevails. No matter what you're going through in life, understand that your purpose literally has a plan. There is pain in your purpose. Don't give up. There is so much more in store. That is my message for today. And you guys can keep up with me at sincerely underscore Sean. That's my personal account. And then our business account is at Lipstick Royalty. I don't know if I'm doing too much, but if you want to support Tyshawn's brand, you can follow at Hard Body with two Y seven. Thank you so much for having me. I'll definitely be sure to plug all those in. You might have to pass a virtual collection plate with that word right there, Sean. <laughs> Uh, really seriously, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. I appreciate all that you're doing and continuing to do. So have a great rest of your day and we'll definitely be in touch soon. Let's definitely stay in touch. If I can help with anything, please let me know.